0: Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word morning, we're going to be jumping into Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18 and talking about this idea that that the Apostle Paul talks about, that the gospel can be advanced because of suffering. Um, Often we see suffering as this personal thing that's between us and the Lord. and He's working on our sanctification, but but it seems to be a part of God's plan that he would advance the kingdom because of our suffering. And so this passage we're going to look at reminds us that difficulties advance the gospel. And at first, that seems really like too sacrificial for us. We're like, I don't, I don't want my difficulties to be used to advance the gospel. But it's actually exactly what we need if we're going to persevere in suffering, is seeing the purpose behind it that God has to expand his kingdom. And so we've learned this in all kinds of ways, the the least of which being stuck in an airport for two days um, being a trial and an inconvenience. But I remember uh, 12 years ago now, I was flying out from New Jersey to California because I was getting married the next day. So I landed in, in LAX, and um, my wife, her fiance at the time, uh, had been dropped off at the airport to meet me there. We were going to go to the rental car company and drive back together, just excited to get married the next day. And so I booked a rental car at cheapLAXrentalcars.com. <laughs> I saved $6 over Enterprise. <laughs> And so we got our shuttle that happened to not be at the airport uh, to go to this place. And when we got there, the car they had given us was only half full of gas, and it was dirty. I was like, oh, this must be the wrong car. They're like, no, that's the right car. I said, well, <laughs> what are you talking about? They're like, well, you can wait a few hours, and we'll clean it and gas it up, or you can just bring it back the same way you found it. And I said, well, really? OK, well, we'll just take it the way it is, because we've got to get going. I'm getting married tomorrow. So we're in the car thinking, this is crazy. I expected more from cheaplaxrentalcars.com. And so we start driving down the road. We're talking about our wedding the next day. I mean, literally, could not be more excited in life than in this moment. And then, would you know it, the car breaks down. I expected more from them. And so. So all of a sudden, the car breaks down. I can't believe it at this point. Half gas, dirty. The car breaks down. We pull off on the side of the road. It is just, this car is over, right? And so I call the company. They start sending, I'm sure I was very kind when I called the company. They start, they start sending a tow truck to pick us up. They said, don't worry. It'll be there in two hours. So I'm thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. Now we might even be late for our, like, you know, walk through reception afterwards. And so I'm just sitting there pacing back and forth, all frustrated. And my fiance Shannon, is just saying Christian things like, why don't we pray? And I'm like, I'm not going to pray. I'm i angry. I'm angry. I'm an angry pastor. Why would I pray? You know? And so she's sitting there th- seeing me literally unwilling to pray. And she goes, well, how about I pray for both of us? And I'm just, so I'm sitting there listening to her pray thinking, well, she sounds like a Christian. It'd be nice to be that one day. And The tow truck uh, gets there. It's not this guy's fault, right? He gets there. I get in the car, and I'm just sitting there all silent. We pull away. We go 30 feet, and he turns to me and goes, do you ever think about God? And I'm like, oh, no, it was a test, and I'm failing. And so Shannon's about to burst out laughing, thinking, of course the Lord is doing all this to save somebody. And so i actually, sir, I'm an angry pastor. I'd love to talk to you about God. No, I didn't say I'm angry pastor, but... This guy and I had the best conversation about Jesus, and it was a freebie. He brought it up. I obviously wasn't going to bring it up in my condition. He brings it up, so I repent really quick and start talking about the Lord, realizing I get no heaven points for this. There's no such thing as heaven points, by the way. Um, And and it was great. I was able to kind of give him some of the answers so he could continue to think About our Savior Jesus. You see, in my condition, I was not walking in the Spirit, and so I wasn't even thinking at all that God might want to inconvenience one of His children so that He could save uh, someone that's lost. When you put it in those perspectives, you start thinking, Yeah, I should be willing to be inconvenienced if it means somebody else has a chance of entering the kingdom. But in our flesh, we don't feel that all the time. But when we don't, we get even more and more frustrated forgetting about God's sovereignty and his providence, thinking it's all about our convenience and the moment and what we want to happen. And that's a much more frustrating experience than reminding ourselves God's in control and look what he might want to do in this trial, in this difficulty. So in in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, we're going to see Paul experiencing this, and he's going to help us to understand that our suffering can be used by God to help others. Look at verse 12 with me. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And so Paul is in prison and he's writing this letter to the Philippians. This is 10 years after he founded that church. They're all distressed because they're thinking, oh no, the great church planner and missionary is locked up in prison. And so what could appear to be more of a fatal blow to the gospel than Paul the apostle, the great missionary, being locked up? But he's writing to tell them, this has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And so if we want to have our trials and difficulties be used for the furtherance of the gospel, then we need to suffer in an uncommon way. We were constantly reminding ourselves of this in the airport as we saw people just screaming and angry, saying, we should be different. It could have been worse. It could have been that Shannon and I got stuck in London for two days away from our children. That would have been, we, we love our children. We were thinking, no, of course you want to be in London for two more days. No, we were just missing our kids so much. It was the first time we had really left them for anything like that. And so it could have been worse. We have our, we have our children. We've got a little piece a piece of it actually was exactly this material here, not some nice tile that we could sleep on and lay on, you know, but it's like we were together. And so we needed to suffer in an uncommon way. And we were begging the Lord for that kind of grace. When we're suffering, I think we learn from from this by application that we need to learn what to maximize and what to minimize. Paul's in prison here, chained chained with other guards. His freedom is limited. His comfort is limited. Death is probably approaching. And look at how he describes this situation. He uses the words in verse 12, what has happened to me? That's a minimizing euphemism right there, a minimizing figure of speech. He describes all this chaos as what has happened to me, whether or not he's comfortable it doesn't really matter to him. That's of small importance. How has this affected his gospel work is where he's going to focus his energies. Paul was empowered by Jesus to look past all of these difficulties and respond well. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.5. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it to you. He says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort as well. And so, yes, we're invited into the sufferings of Christ in this life. But then in those sufferings, we meet God, right? We also share in the comfort of Christ in those same exact moments. And so Paul was empowered for this, and we need to be empowered to suffer the right way as well. And we're suffering, not only do we need to make sure we're not maximizing the problem, which we do sometimes, we just describe how terrible the situation is, barely even reminding anyone that we're believers, right? But instead, we need to sometimes minimize the difficulties we're going through. Now, you need to have people that you can talk to about how things are really going and how difficult it really is for your heart or for your flesh. But when we're speaking with others, if we can maximize God, then we can, we can see, like Paul here, that we can be used for the gospel. But when we're suffering, we also need to help others connect it to the gospel. When we spend time um, in our trials, often people just think the worst-case scenario. They're like, this is terrible, this is horrible. But Paul writes, I want you to know. I want you to know this has actually led to the furtherance of the gospel. He wants them to know that this isn't all bad. And, And why he wants them to know that is because people default to thinking suffering is terrible all the time. And when you think only in terms of how much pain and suffering there is and you leave God out of the equation, sometimes people begin to think God must be bad. God must be evil to allow this type of suffering. And so when we're suffering, we need to, like Paul, remind people that God is at work in our hearts and in the kingdom, even in our suffering. We also need to remind people of this because they need to be reminded that in their suffering, they can still serve God. It's not like we are sidelined from serving God. So I missed a full day of of work at the Bible college um, at the airport, and so for me to think, oh... I can't serve God for a full day because I'm not at the Bible college because of my suffering would be, that'd be an inappropriate thought, right? The way I should be thinking is how can I serve the Lord in this airport now because I'm not able to serve him back at the office. And so no matter what trial we're going through in life, we can serve the Lord. Whether we come down with a sickness, a disease, or have a loss in our lives, we can serve the Lord in those seasons. And people also need to be reminded in suffering how powerful the gospel is. Right, Because isn't it true that when you suffer, the problem seems so great, and we can forget about God, which is why it was great. Some of the songs we were singing this morning about God being bigger He's beyond this. The gospel will not be stopped. It's going to be advanced. God's purposes are going to be advanced no matter what we're going through, no matter what the, the government does, no matter what obstacle comes up in our life. And so often we only focus on what has happened to me, instead of how it has really served to advance the gospel. So we can just pause for a moment and say, well, what has happened to me, right? What, what, it, what is the suffering that, that you're going through in this moment? But how can it be used by God is an even more clarifying question. Paul was all about this. Even when he got bit by a snake, He figured out how to use this for the gospel, right? He's getting bit by a snake and people are watching him thinking he must be evil. That's why he was bitten. But when he lives, it gave him a gospel audience and an an intro to this whole island so he could share the good news with them. Maybe you've lost your job and you can be a witness for someone who is trusting in God despite that. Or if you have an enemy, you can be an example of forgiveness or if there's sickness or death, in your life or in your family. You can speak of the resurrection life we have in Jesus. So suffering served the gospel well, I think because suffering is common to all of us. When I say suffering, I know many in this room are thinking, oh yes, I'm suffering right now, or I just got out of a season of suffering, or everyone I know is suffering. It's so common that it becomes a great bridge for the gospel. What's uncommon is a gracious response. That's what's uncommon, but that's where we can have an advantage and an inroads into the community is by responding the right way in our suffering. Now, if we're sitting here thinking, no, suffering is always bad, suffering is always terrible, I want God to use me in other ways besides suffering, sometimes we have to look at our lives and wonder, is comfort and convenience our God? Right? If every time something doesn't go our way, we flip out, we get discouraged, we go into you know, depression because things didn't go as planned, then in reality, our God is comfort and convenience, rather than a God who is, I mean, it's obvious in the Bible, God is willing to discomfort us for his plans. Look at what he did to his son, right? And it was good. It was good what he did, right? Jesus on the cross was a good thing for us, but that was, that was uncomfortable. That was pain. That was suffering. And so God is willing to use those things in our lives. But it's important to know that the gospel is not automatically advanced just because of suffering. It's not automatic that just because we're suffering, the gospel's going to be advanced. We need to choose to receive God's grace and respond in a way that pleases him if the gospel is going to be advanced. And so the manner in which we endure difficulty is going to affect the way that others perceive Christ and and, and that's Maybe you've had that experience where people say, well, why, why aren't you downcast? Why aren't you discouraged? And you can point them to the Lord despite the season of suffering you're going through. And so Paul's in prison here, but he's suffering in such a way that instead of complaining that he can't plant churches and he can't go on and uh, build up the saints, he shares the gospel with those that are around him, the imperial guard and, and all the rest. Look at verse 13 as we see that if we suffer well that other unbelievers may consider Christ. Verse 13 goes on to say, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And so for Paul, his suffering has actually not shut down his ministry, but it's just changed the direction of his ministry and God's sovereignty. And so now his suffering is advancing the gospel to, to unbelievers in new places. You see... Some people are out of reach to us physically. We just, we just can't be everywhere at the same time. And so hopefully we're being a light to those that we're seeing often. But our suffering can bring us near to people that we don't see often, even physically. So I, I might not normally visit a hospital, but as I suffer and I have to visit that hospital, I can pause and say, Lord, you're bringing one of your lights to this hospital. How do you want to use me? Is it to encourage the nurses, the doctors, the administrative staff, or another patient? I'm not normally there. And so maybe the gospel isn't normally there. And so we can recognize that God is redirecting us, whether we're at the hospital or a mechanic because of a car issue or any of these inconvenient and painful situations. God is bringing us near to those that are suffering. God wants to be in the hospital. Right, God wants to be known at the mechanic, right? and so he wants to visit them with his encouragement. So sometimes we're just out of reach to people physically, just like these prison guards were untouchable to Paul before he was in prison. So Paul shared the gospel with everyone, but he could never actually reach the prison guards because he wasn't there physically. This suffering brought him there physically. Some people are out of reach to us, not physically, but but relationally or emotionally, because we just can't understand the the pain that they're going through or they won't receive from us because we we just couldn't possibly comprehend the suffering that they're going through. But our suffering will build a bridge to them because of that shared pain that we have. And so you might not normally understand someone who has a certain sickness or has gone through a certain pain in their life. But then all of a sudden when you've gone through that pain, immediately when you hear of somebody else suffering like that, you know some things that you could do to minister to them. And they might listen to you because you've gone through a similar pain. Some people you just want to tell them about Jesus and they'll shut it down immediately. But then they go through a particular suffering. And now you can begin to minister to them because of that suffering. And so God, God understands these situations and brings us near people that were out of reach to us. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says... God who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. So one example I read about this is just this 13-year-old girl named Lauren Blakemore that was diagnosed with cancer. And she had a rare form of cancer. There's only about 450 people a year that have her form of cancer. And it was, a, it was a rough form. It usually got into the bones and led to amputations. And you're thinking, oh, this 13-year-old girl suffering with this pain. And it's hard for us to comprehend this. She was a believer. She was sitting in church you know, in the weeks after this. And, and she thought, God wants me to minister to other kids that have cancer, because I can bring them hope that they might not have. So she's praying about how this happens. Her dad ends up um, you know going on a, on a missions trip as, as she's finishing up all of her chemo I think she had 14 rounds of chemo and 25 rounds of radiation, and, and she got through it by God's grace, and they've even considered it a miracle that she had put the, the cancer had been put into remission because of this. But her dad's on a missions trip in India, because of his daughter's suffering, he visits a local cancer ward in a, in a poor part of India. He comes back and tells his daughter Lauren all about it. And, Instantly, the connection's made where she realizes God wants me to help these kids with cancer, with the gospel. So she starts speaking all over the place, trying to raise money for these kids. And the particular thing she thought she could help, she asked her dad, do any of these kids have blankets? And he's like, I didn't, I didn't see any blankets. They were all just kind of laying there on, on sheets in the beds because of the poor area they were in. And so she said, I want to I wanna bring blankets to all of these hospitals because she says chemotherapy makes you cold all the time. Now, she had a blanket she called the Miss Mildred Blanket, because her neighbor, Miss Mildred, uh, gave her a baby blanket, and she just loved it, and so when she was going through her treatment, she would always just use that to keep her warm, and she says, I can't imagine not being warm going through all these treatments. And so... She raises the money, gets all the blankets, and they're sent over. And it's a lot more than warmth that these kids are given because the reason is also shared with them about Lauren loving Jesus and, and him giving her hope. And so I think of this verse in 2 Corinthians 1, 4 about how we're comforted by God so we can comfort others. And we can, we can look at our difficulties in life and realize God wants to use me in this area, or, or we can just get bitter. And she chose to be used by God. And so we can't ignore the gospel just because of our pain, right? We need to let the gospel be the thing that heals us in our trials and brings peace and purpose back to our lives. Paul um, said in Second Corinthians, when describing his own pain and his own suffering and, and the response that Jesus gave, said, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. But look at the reason, he states, for the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, and persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, I, I'm even content that this is what God has chosen for me for the sake of Christ. Because Christ has a mission, because he has a plan. And when we pause and realize, it's, it's a lot more important for a lost person in darkness to come into the light than it is for me to have heaven on earth. Right? We ask for this thing that's impossible, right? We want heaven on earth. We want convenience, comfort, money. We want everything on earth, and yet sin is still on earth. So we ask for this thing that's impossible, but it is one day awaiting us. But if we can realize for the sake of Christ, we can even be content with how God is ordaining our lives, then he can be strong in us. And so suffering advances the gospel to, to new places. As we've seen, Paul is able to talk to prison guards. But it also advances the gospel accurately, because there's a false gospel out there that says that God wants us to be healthy, happy, and rich all the time, right? The prosperity gospel, is just it's just false. It's just not in the Bible. You have to butcher a rare amount of verses to get where they get. Now, it's sad that this is the name of Jesus being stamped on this idea of, of riches uh, because of the gospel. It's just not in there. And so, Paul modeling suffering in a way that where he still has hope is actually a much more accurate gospel than the prosperity gospel. And so, trials are not just from the evil one, but they can be from God. Now, God is not the author of evil, um, but but he's going to multitask and use these difficulties in our lives. And Jesus predicted this in, in Luke 21. He says, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons, and, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And this is your opportunity to bear witness, right? And so, Trials are a way that God advances his kingdom. And Jesus said we should even be expecting them. And so the next time we're going through a really difficult situation, if God has used that difficult situation to bring us near those that are in darkness, we need to see that as an opportunity, not just a burden. But also in verse 14, we're going to see that if we suffer well, other believers may choose to serve Christ because of our suffering. Look at Philippians 1.14 with me. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so suffering advances the gospel with believers by providing them proof that God's promises are real. The the Philippians and others, you know, especially the, those around Paul in Rome, would look at him suffering and, and they'd realize if he just recants of his faith, he can get out of here, right? But he is not only allowing himself to stay in prison, but he's not complaining. He has joy in his heart. Remember, this is the letter that we think of the word joy from. The word joy or rejoice is is found 14 times in this short epistle to the Philippians. And so Paul is modeling that God's promises are real, even in difficult situations. And so as other people begin to see this example of Paul having a real faith, they look at their own lives and realize, what am I afraid of? Why am I not serving the gospel? Just because I might go to prison or because of what people might say about me? And their fear is banished when they see Jesus is real, God's promises are real. And then they start to ponder this and probably wonder, wait, Paul, the church planner, the missionary is stuck behind bars. He's doing the best he can in there to reach the prison guards. But wait, shouldn't other people be planning churches? aren't there, isn't there still missions work to be accomplished? And then the Holy Spirit gives them a conviction and they realize, I need to go. I need to go and encourage that church that Paul can not visit. I need to go and plant a church. I need to go out there and share my faith like Paul would if he wasn't in prison. And so it actually provides new opportunities for people to serve when others are suffering. And so, we, we get to see that the faith is real, but also that there are these new opportunities. And one neat thing that happens when somebody is sidelined because of suffering is that we all get to learn that the source of power is not in this specific individual, but it's in God who empowers people. And God can empower anyone, right? God gives gifts, gifts to all of his children, Right? The, the church's job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, not to watch the professionals do the work of the ministry. And I use that word uh, professionals in a, you know, in a negative way on purpose, realizing no, no elder or pastor in the church or ministry leader considers themselves a professional. But this is the dynamic that can happen if we're all not doing ministry. So we want to leave it to others. And um, that's not God's plan at all. And so new opportunities are given, and God is seen as powerful through people that don't have the name of Paul, but have the Holy Spirit that he had. And as we see in the the end of the section, we'll be looking at in verses 15 through 18, we see that the gospel allows us to rejoice despite suffering. Look at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Some of the local believers envied Paul and his success in ministry and his reputation and so they thought this is our chance. We can we can now be the one out there preaching the gospel and we can build a name for ourselves and our influence can grow. And if you're like me you're sitting there thinking this is horrible. Who that's a horrible reason to do ministry. It is. And it's, it's probably a reason that God was going to judge in their lives, but what's interesting is is it seems they're actually preaching the true gospel as they're doing this. They're doing it with the wrong motives, but they're still preaching the true gospel. Otherwise, Paul would flip out like he does in Galatians if it was a false gospel. So you've got some people that are out there preaching, and Paul's best understanding is I don't think their hearts are right. I actually think they're doing it just to kind of make me feel bad, like, oh, these people that rivaled me with slightly different ideas or whatever are out there preaching, and I can't. But then there's others that are kingdom-minded servants that are seeing Paul in prison, that are out there preaching because of the opportunity, because they know he'd be doing this if he wasn't there. So you're thinking, why could Paul rejoice with ambitious people out there preaching the gospel and humble people out there preaching the gospel? Well, it's because it was Christ that was being preached. Remember, Paul didn't care about his own comfort. In this passage, we see he didn't even care about his own reputation, just that the gospel was getting out. And suffering focuses us on on what really matters in life. And so Paul is is thinking, okay, my reputation isn't what matters. Me not being in prison isn't really what matters. The gospel going forth is what matters. And suffering does that in all of our lives. You, You probably know of someone, may have experienced this in your family, when someone has a terminal illness, all of a sudden, the priorities change completely and there's much more time spent with family. And, and spent with the Lord and even serving the Lord as somebody approaches death, because the entertainments of this world become very trivial as we start to have this view of, of realizing eternity is approaching. And God uses our pain for this. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to wake a deaf world. And so Paul here isn't concerned about things that would normally concern someone like reputation and being locked up because he's focused on God's work still happening no matter what. So he's freed from this anxiety that people would normally have because of the suffering. And I think Jesus wants to free us from worldly anxieties and help us to be kingdom-minded. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount, to not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear?' For the Gentiles seek after these things. I mean, he, he rebukes people for worrying about the things that all of us worry about, right? A roof over your head, food, clothing, money, like the normal things that we, have to, we need provision for. Jesus actually does a very polite rebuke of those listening to his Sermon on the Mount and says, wait, you're worrying about those things? And our first response is like, "Well, oh, of course I'm worrying about those things. I need to eat. And Jesus says, wait, but that's what people who don't have God worry about. People that don't have a father in heaven worry about those things. Why are you worrying? You've got a father in heaven. And Jesus goes on to say, your heavenly father knows you need all of them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see how Jesus is trying to spare us from needless anxiety um, by focusing on the right things? And In our suffering, the same thing can happen. If we are focusing on God's kingdom and on God's love in our suffering, we don't have to worry about all the anxieties that come along with that pain and inconvenience. And so we can say, like Paul in verse 16, that we were put here for the defense of the gospel, to be a light for the gospel. Paul was in prison for this defense, and we need to be ready to give this defense as well. And so in my tow truck moment I needed about five seconds to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible person, but this person's trying to seek you, so empower me by your spirit. I had to get ready like that, right? Um, If I was walking in the spirit, I probably just would have smiled and walked right into it. In 1 Peter 3, it says, In your hearts, honor Christ and the Lord is holy. That's the part I was missing out on before the tow truck. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And they're only going to ask us about a hope that is in us if we're going through a difficult situation and we have a hope, right? That involves suffering. That involves pain. Even though our flesh doesn't like that, we get to be a part of something so special, the expanding of God's kingdom. And so like Paul in verse 18, we need to choose to be joyful. He says in verse 18, I will rejoice. He says it twice. Yeah. Now it's modeled in this letter. It's commanded. It's in spite of affliction, right? It's a a joy in the Lord, and it's a joy in the Lord's people that are doing gospel work as well, but notice it's also alongside sorrow, right? So we don't have this like fake joy that's weird where we just smile and act positive despite terrible situations, ignoring that kind of pain. A, A deep gospel joy can be alongside sorrow, alongside tears because of the gospel, and Jesus showed us this in Hebrews 12. It says, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, you just don't often hear the word joy and cross in the same sentence, especially the person who was on the cross saying, Well, it's joy that helped me to persevere on the cross. But Jesus modeled that. How, does that. how does that work? Jesus was able to have joy on the cross because he saw what the cross was accomplishing. He saw what his suffering was accomplishing and how it would affect even us to this day. And it gave him joy to know God is at work. God is, God is doing something. Look at what this is happening here on the cross. And so we can do the same we can actually have joy in our suffering because we see what God is accomplishing because of our suffering, and we recognize that's actually a greater work than me not suffering. So suffering is hard. Sorrow is still real. But the gospel is our hope. And like Jesus modeled that, when we are suffering and struggling with it, we need to look to the cross. I love how Pastor Tim Keller, in one of his books that are trying to get atheists to consider Christianity, he writes this, if we ask... Why does God allow suffering? And we look at the cross of Jesus, we still do not know the answer. However, we now know what the answer isn't. It can't be that he doesn't love us. It can't be that he is indifferent or detached from our condition. God takes our misery and suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself. So we have to remember, we serve a God who suffered. We serve a father in heaven who allowed his son to suffer. That's actually harder, right? It's easier for me to suffer. That's why the plane, the four hours on the tarmac was the hardest because it's like, okay, I can sweat it out for four hours and try and read the Bible and sing to myself. But when I have three kids, we were constantly getting them ice water and fanning them for four hours because we're like, well, I don't want my kids to suffer. I can suffer. And so it's even more difficult. And The father allowed Jesus, his son to suffer on the cross He's not indifferent to our suffering. He's not mean by giving us suffering. There's a purpose in it. And the end, thankfully, we get to see is clear. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain, because the former things have passed away. We have a hope not only that God is using our suffering for the gospel, so there's purpose now in it, but we have a hope that the the temporary suffering we're going through will one day end. And it ends because of the suffering of Jesus. That's the amazing kind of paradox. So So our temporary suffering ends because of that painful suffering Jesus did on the cross. And so if we allow God to use our temporary suffering, we can actually help people avoid the greatest suffering of all time in hell, right? So if we allow, if we become a good witness during our suffering, and it causes people like in First Peter to ask us, why do you have a hope even though you're suffering? Then the gospel can be shared. They, upon receiving the gospel, will avoid the greatest suffering of all in going to hell. And it's if, it's if we choose to partner with God in this. And so God wants us to. We get to become very like Christ in this by suffering well for the advancement of the gospel. And so the question is, not am I going to suffer, because that is definitely going to happen, right? But will we allow God to use our suffering for his purposes? It's going to require us holding on to his goodness never doubting that God is good, no matter what happens in our lives or to the people that we love. We can't ever doubt God's goodness. And then we just need to pause, all right? The suffering wants to draw us into a temporal kind of mindset, wants us to draw us into thinking about our convenience. When's the suffering going to end? When is it gonna be over? We need to pause and back up and say, God, what is the eternal mindset right now as I'm suffering? How does this affect the gospel in your kingdom? What can I do to cause us to have benefit to your kingdom? And and sometimes it's just for our personal sanctification to remind us God's promises are real. And sometimes other people are watching and it's for the expense of his kingdom. And so will we allow God to use suffering for his purposes is a question we need to wrestle with today. And so let me pray for us because that's not what we want, right? We want, we want to read the Bible, obey it, and avoid suffering. Um, but God loves us and other people so much that he's going to use the suffering that we're bound to experience anyway for his purposes. And so let's pray.